Our Bible reading today is from James 2. We're going to read verses 1 to 13. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonoured the poor. It is, not, is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbour as yourself. You are doing right. But if you show favouritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you don't commit adultery, but do commit murder, you've become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Well, it's great to be back with you, and I uh, hope you've got a Bible there in front of you as we look at this passage from James together. James, starting at uh, the beginning of chapter one, uh, sorry, beginning of chapter two, but we're going to ask God to help us as we do that. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we have your word, and we want to ask now that you would help us to be not only hearers of your word, but that we would be ready to put it into practice in our life, that we would be doers of your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Favoritism can rear its head in all kinds of places. You can see it in the workplace where there is one employee who's treated very differently to all of the others because his uncle owns the business. You can see it in schools where teachers have a favourite student. You can sometimes see it in families where there's one member of the family who's favoured above others. You may even experience it when you go shopping, that you walk into the shop and there's someone there who looks a little wealthier and a little better dressed than you and they get served first, even though you arrived first. I don't think many people like favoritism. We don't like it when people, treat it, when people are treated differently. We don't like people judging by what someone's wearing or how much money they think they might have. And as churches, Sadly, we don't seem to be immune to favouritism. In the passage that we're looking at today from James, he wants to say that favouritism is not just wrong, it's crazy for Christians to show favouritism. It means that you haven't understood something fundamental about what it is that we believe as Christians. 
Now, the book of James would have originally been written as a letter and would have been distributed around to churches. Uh, imagine, um, we're just imagining that they would have received the letter and when they get together on the Sunday, uh, they'd say, look, we've got a letter from James. It's just arrived. Are we going to read it for you? So, so far, he would have heard, we would have heard people, uh, the people would have heard uh, talk about keeping on, keeping on and persevering even in the face of trials. And then we would have heard about being hearers and doers. But then at the start of chapter two, he focuses on this very specific issue of favoritism. And James seems to be aware that it's an issue in the church that he's writing to. Have a look at what it says, verse one, chapter two. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Now, we're only guessing, but I imagine that when the original recipients of this letter heard him mention favoritism, I've got a feeling that they would have said to themselves, favoritism? What does he mean by favoritism? I don't think we show favoritism, do we? And I think that's what you and I would say if someone said to us, stop showing favoritism in your church. Well, James gives an example of what that favoritism might look like. What amazes me about the example that he actually presents here is that it's absolutely timeless and universal. Uh, I've seen this happen in churches, and I imagine you've seen it happen as well. Here it is, chapter 2, verse 2. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? You can picture it, can't you? Because you've probably seen it. Two strangers walk in that door right over there. First person is well-dressed, looks very respectable. Second person, well, clearly doesn't have a lot of money. I mean, if they did, they would have spent a bit of it on their appearance. Rough looking person, bit untidy and obviously quite poor. Both of them have walked in the same door. Both of them have walked into the same church, but will they be treated the same way? Well, people are lining up to say hi to the rich person. Uh, they want to make sure that he gets a good seat. They want to make sure that he's introduced to the minister before church starts. But the poor man, on the other hand, well, he's kind of just left alone. He can sit wherever he likes, just preferably not near me. No one seems to be in a hurry to speak to him. Now, sure, I've embellished the story a little, maybe, but basically it's favoritism being shown to one person over another simply based on their appearance or their perceived bank balance. One looks rich, one looks poor. But it's especially embarrassing when it happens in a church. I'm guessing that you can think of instances where that has happened. And it's a problem. James asks the question there in verse number four, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? And the reason that we don't discriminate is right back there in verse number one. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. 
If you believe in Jesus, if you have your trust in him, if you are serious about following Jesus, then you shouldn't be discriminating like that. You, more than anyone, should not be showing favouritism. And it's not just people who walk in the door that we may show favouritism to. Our favouritism can find its way into other parts of our life. It may be that you're helping the neighbour who lives on this side, but you're not really interested in helping the neighbour who lives on that side. James says that when you judge someone by their appearance or their bank balance or their ethnicity, you're making a big mistake. And James says, goes so far as to say that it's an anti-gospel mistake that you're making. When Jesus walked on this earth, he wasn't fussy about who he mixed with. And he certainly didn't show favoritism. He mixed with everyone. He ate in the homes of Pharisees and religious leaders, but he also ate in the homes of tax collectors and fishermen. He mixed with outcasts, lepers, Samaritans, anyone. Jesus did not show favoritism. We see it all the way through the Gospels. And let's be thankful to God that he doesn't show favoritism because let's face it, if he did, he wouldn't be choosing you and me to be his people. Well, he wouldn't be choosing you anyway. Well, that, that's a joke. James says, as followers of Jesus, we should not show favoritism. When we do, we're making judgments on a bad basis like money or status or appearance or nationality. They're bad reasons for judging one person as better than another. Now, James goes on to explain why it shouldn't be done there in verse number five. He kind of says, think about it as to his readers. Showing favoritism to the rich over the poor, well, it just doesn't make sense, particularly to the people that James is writing to. Pick it up there in verse number five. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you've dishonoured the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? Firstly, James says, to favour the rich over the poor, to treat the poor badly, is, means that you are obviously oblivious to the choices that God makes. James tells us that God has chosen the poor of this world to inherit the kingdom. He's chosen poor people to be his people. Now, if the poor people are good enough for God, then surely they're good enough for us as well. Now, don't misunderstand what James is saying here. He's not suggesting that God has only chosen the financially destitute to be a part of his kingdom. God is perfectly happy to accept anyone, irrespective of what their financial circumstances are. But secondly, for the people that James is writing to, it was the rich who were giving them a hard time as Christians. It's the rich who are dragging them into court. It's the rich who are seeking to lock them up because of their faith. It's the rich who are slandering the name of Jesus. Why in the world would you want to show favoritism to the people who are doing those things? It makes no sense, James says. Well, what is James saying about the rich and the poor? 
Is he saying that God exclusively chooses those with low bank balances to be his people? Is he saying that you can't be rich and be saved? No, well, he's not saying that at all. The ones who are saved are the ones, the ones who will inherit the kingdom of God will be the ones who love God and find their forgiveness in Jesus. James has already clearly said that. Eternal life doesn't depend on your bank balance, but on loving God and finding forgiveness in Jesus. You don't have to be poor to be saved. James is going to go on a little later in this book and talk about Abraham and Job, two men who were exceptionally wealthy and two great examples of faith. Rich people can certainly be saved, but I think it's also true that rich people often feel that they have less need for God and for what it is God has to offer. But those who have little to trust in when it comes to material possessions can actually find the gospel message more appealing. That's what you see in the gospels as well, in the stories of the life of Jesus, particularly in Luke's gospel. Who is it that flocks to Jesus? It's the poor and the outcasts. They're the ones who want to hear what Jesus has to say. They're the ones who are more acutely aware of their needs. James, in his typically abrupt manner, seems to change the subject pretty dramatically in verse number eight. But when you look a little more closely, it's not a new subject at all. It's the same subject, but now he's looking at it from the positive side. He's already said that we shouldn't show favoritism. Don't show favoritism. That's the negative side. But the positive side is this. We are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus said that the whole Old Testament is summed up in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. And our neighbour is anyone. Our neighbour is the rich man and the poor man. Our neighbour is anyone who is in need and we're in a position to help them. If you see someone in need and if you are able to help and yet choose not to help because of the way that they're dressed or their social standing or their bank balance or their ethnic background, then you're showing favoritism and James says, stop it. Again, it's an anti-gospel sin, isn't it? God has shown mercy to us when we didn't deserve it. He has shown mercy to us when there was nothing about us that would compel God to show mercy. James says that if we fail to love our neighbours as ourselves, we become lawbreakers, we become sinful. And he drives the point home rather forcefully by saying, if you don't commit adultery but do murder, you're still a lawbreaker. And if you show favouritism, then you're breaching the laws that God has for us as his people. James almost takes us in full circle saying that judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who doesn't show mercy. If you show favoritism, if you're not willing to show mercy to those who need mercy, then how can you expect God to show mercy to you? But James finishes on a note that takes us right back to the very first verse. He says, mercy triumphs 
over judgment. God has shown us mercy by sending his son Jesus to die in our place. Not because we deserved it, not because we were wealthy, not because we were good or dressed the right way, but simply because God is merciful. What we deserved from God was judgment. And what he has shown us in Jesus is mercy. If you and I have our trust in Jesus, then we're recipients of that mercy. So here's where the rubber hits the road. This is where we have to make sure that we're not just hearers of what God's word says, but that we're doers of it as well. As you go about this week, when do you think you will be most tempted to show favoritism? Will you be tempted to treat people differently because of the way that they're dressed or because of the job that they have? Will it be the person at the checkout at Coles? Will it be the receptionist or the cleaner at your workplace? Will it be one of your neighbours? Will it be possibly a member of your family? Who will the people be that you will be tempted to show favouritism towards? And who will be the people that will be treated less kindly or possibly even ignored? So if you find yourself showing favouritism, if you find yourself treating people differently, then you need to remember what it is that God has done for you. So here's the take-home message. It's right there, chapter 2, verse number 1. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favouritism. Let's pray. Our Father, it is an incredible thing that you have done for us through your son Jesus, making it possible for us to be your people when there was nothing about us that was attractive, there was nothing about us that made us eligible, but you showed mercy to us even when we were sinners. Help us to live lives that are shaped by that gospel message. Help us to not show favoritism. Help us not to judge people. Help us to be people who demonstrate that mercy that you have shown to us, to all that are around us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.